Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Point. If you're a parent, I just want to say on behalf of all parents who have kids who drive, kids, if you try that in our parking lot, we will take your keys. Yeah. Well, we're in almost the last week. Next week will be the last week of this summer series called, uh, called Summer Playlist. And we've been looking at a particular book in the Old Testament called the Psalms. And if you're here for the first time today, uh, you've shown up on a great day where we're looking at a particular psalm that can really give us direction in life. If you've missed any of this series, you can go on our website, find those series. And if you are here for the first time, please come down front, say hello after the service. We'd love to meet you. So the book of Psalms, it's about 3,000 years old. It's, it's a collection of ancient songs that followers of God used to bring encouragement. Uh, they used to understand God. Uh, it was written by several different authors, primarily a guy named King David wrote many of the ones that you may have heard about. But it was used throughout the centuries to express when people couldn't express their feelings to God, read a psalm. It, they've been used to pray. We actually, some of the songs we sing are based on the psalms. The first century church used the psalms to speak to each other, to sing to each other, and Jesus himself quoted from the psalms. So this has been a great summer series as each one has stood alone. So if you're in and out, you can just listen to that one and really get something out of it. It's not really connected to the other ones. If you would like to join us online for the discussion that goes on every day, every day there's something on there about the Psalms, just go to Facebook and look for LifePoint Summer Playlist and you can interact with other people that are digging into the Psalms this summer and seeing what God would teach us through that. So last week we had this uh, pretty traumatic event at our house and it started with uh, our 18-year-old leaving uh, chocolate chips on the ottoman in the living room. And that doesn't sound bad, but when you have a little dog that's about 12 or 13 pounds, if you know anything about dogs, they are very, very much uh, not, they, chocolate just doesn't work with their system. And I found out through this that milk chocolate is not too bad, but as it goes along, and if you get to like uh, Baker's Chocolate Squares, it will kill the dog. And my daughter texted me, uh-oh, I left the chocolate chips on the ottoman and Zoe ate them. And this was a lot of chocolate chips. And I said, well, make sure you shut the cage before you leave the house because there's going to be puke everywhere. And she didn't. And so we get home, the dog has puked, and it didn't smell bad though. It smelled like chocolate, so that, that was good. <laughs> but I started doing some research because the dog was really sick, and she was stumbling around, she was trembling, and then it got to be about midnight, and she wasn't getting any better, and I thought, well, I need to call a vet. So I look up a 24-hour vet, and I call him, I tell him what happened, and, and I had to go online because there's this formula that if the dog eats so much chocolate and the weight of the dog, uh, it could be fatal. And based on the kind of chocolate that she ate, ate, all chocolate's not created equal, I found out, the kind of chocolate had this certain chemical in it that could kill her. And so I look it up, it's in the red zone, like call, so I call the vet, and the vet's telling, ask me all these questions, did she vomit? I was like, boy, did she ever. You know, that's like everywhere. Uh, well, is she tremoring? Yep, she's like laying down and shaking. Does she seem anxious? Yep, everything. Yes, yes, yes. And the vet said, well, you can bring her in. All we're going to do is give her an IV, but we can't do anything to take that away. So if, if it's going to be bad, 
it's already happened. I was like, all right. So I went to bed. So (laughs) the dog lived. So just so you know, she made it. Uh, She made it through the night. uh, And it was quite the experience because I was really concerned with my daughter, you know, getting ready to go away to college. And she goes away feeling like I killed the family dog. It was my fault. If our dog could talk, it would probably say, why do you leave stuff like that around? Because you know my weakness. I mean, if I see chocolate, if I smell chocolate, I'm going to eat anything that looks somewhat edible if it's laying out. See, Zoe needs direction to get through life safely. And if we don't give her that direction, she's going to find herself in trouble a lot. We need direction to get through life safely. We need direction not to have to live life with a bunch of regrets. Now, some of you, you may approach life like you don't need any direction besides what you can find deep down inside yourself. That won't work. You will find yourself in trouble over and over again unless you get direction. You'll eat the bag of chocolate chips if somebody doesn't say, don't do that. That'll get you in trouble. Today's psalm is about direction from God. It was written by King David. And it was probably him as an older man looking back at his life and thinking about what would I'd like to tell young people, another generation, about the character of God. Because he had had some times in his life where he lived directionless, where he was just left to his own devices to try to figure things out, and he made the wrong decision almost every time. And so like many of the Psalms, they're written from the perspective of trying to teach a younger generation or new followers of God about his character. So there's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand. We give these out every week at LifePoint. They're free if you would like a Bible. You can also borrow it and also put all the scriptures up on the screen as well. So King David had tried to guide his own life, and he's sitting as an old man writing back about his life, and he writes this psalm that many of you have probably heard. Even if you've never opened the Bible, you've probably heard this psalm. It's very popular at funerals because it brings comfort. Uh, It's a psalm that maybe if you've ever been to a counselor, they'll tell you, hey, read this psalm. It really brings comfort and security. And it starts out, Psalm 23, verse 1, saying this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, David was a shepherd as a young boy. And he's starting to describe who God is to his listeners. And he describes God as a shepherd. And he is a sheep. Now, There's a lot of times in the Bible, people are referred to as sheep. It's not really a compliment to say, hey, man, you are such a sheep. Man, you're you're great. Like, you're a great sheep. Most people say, well, hold on a second. I don't want to be a sheep. I mean, we would probably rather God, David had said, God is king and we are his mighty warriors. Wouldn't that sound better? Like, you're a mighty warrior. Yes, I am rather than you're a sheep. But as David starts to explain 
This idea that God is shepherd and people are sheep, we have to look at, well, what did the ancient meaning, what it mean to the people who first heard this? What was the significance of David saying shepherd and sheep? See, in the Middle East, in that culture, even today still, sheep were not raised to be served up at the Taza Grill. That's not why they raised them. A shepherd would get sheep as a little lamb, as a newborn. And a shepherd would raise those sheep up to shear them for their wool. And so it was not uncommon for a shepherd to have his sheep their entire lifespan. And that shepherd would lead every part of that sheep's life. And so David is saying, God, you are the great shepherd. Because he would have known what it was like to be a shepherd of literal sheep. And he's saying, the best way I can describe God to these young people is that he is a shepherd and we are his sheep. This psalm has special meaning to me. Because there was a time in ministry when... I felt anxiety coming up. This was like five, six years ago, and I just felt like I can't get everything done. I can't get enough done. I was putting all these unrealistic expectations on myself, and, and anxiety just began to just well up in my life. And so I realized I need to do something to unplug. And so I went on this spiritual retreat to the Spiritual Retreat Center, and uh, it was great. We got to talk to a counselor every day and kind of process through what I was feeling and all the unreasonable demands I was putting on myself that was causing all the anxiety. And it cost a lot of money to do something like that. And I remember I sat down the first day with the guy, and I'm telling him how I'm feeling, and he said, here's what we're going to do all week. We're going to read Psalm 23. And immediately I thought, I just paid for that? Like, you could have told me that in an email. I could have done that at home. And he had some other activities for me to do, but primarily that was the reading for the week. Memorize Psalm 23. And I did. And every time anxiety would start to come back into my life, I feel like it's completely conquered now because I would recite those first words that David said. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I memorized it from a, a different translation where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And in the middle of the night, when I would feel anxiety just rolling around inside of me, I would just repeat that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And I internalized that. And the anxiety from my shepherd changed everything. Things changed. And once you get the fact that God is the great shepherd and you are a sheep, whatever is going on in your life, you're going to be able to understand it better. You're going to be able to deal with whatever you're going through in your life. Once you get that fact that you need a guide, that you're going to get in trouble if you don't have some kind of guide in your life, Everybody uses something for guidance. And David is saying, God is the one that is the shepherd that cares. He is the one that will guide you. God is a shepherd who leads. And he goes on to say this. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. God 
is a shepherd who leads. And not only leads, he leads us along what David says, the right paths. And he does it in a way that renews our strengths, that makes us stronger, that allows us to walk through life on the right path behind our leader. Another thing about sheep, which is I think this is why David uses shepherd and sheep. Sheep are not very smart animals. Like my dog is not smart. She's not, not just because she ate chocolate, but if you met her, you would say, yeah, I can see why that was the last pick of the litter. I mean, she just, she's not real bright. Sheep aren't bright animals. Sheep will, they will be, they're easily distracted. When a sheep comes up to a stream, it will not drink out of a running stream. Nobody knows why. But it will go to a stagnant, germ-infested, bacteria-infested pool of water that's still and drink from that. Now, we look at that and say, why in the world would you do that? But sheep are just so easily distracted because they just wander off. They'll just wander off for no reason. They'll just get distracted and wander off. There's a reason we're called sheep. Now, I want you to tell the truth because we're in church. Raise your hand if you've downloaded Pokemon Go. All right, you're about as truthful as the first service was. Pokemon Go is like, I haven't downloaded it yet, but I see people. Evidently, there's one across the street from my driveway because there's kids on bikes there all the time. What are you doing? They're finding little Pokemons. In the news lately, in the last few weeks, since this game came out and has captured everybody's attention, there are people who have wandered into the craziest places and circumstances because they were just wandering around looking at their phone. In Florida, there were some teenagers, one o'clock in the morning, wandered into this guy's backyard. He hears them talking out his window. He lives in not such a great neighborhood as far as crime goes, and he hears Somebody say, did you get anything yet? No, I haven't got anything yet, but I'm still looking. So he hears this conversation. He gets his gun out, fires his gun. Nobody got shot, but they wandered in where they shouldn't be. In California, two guys were playing Pokemon Go, and they passed two no trespassing signs, one danger cliff sign, and they fell over a 90-foot cliff. You can read this. And, and they caught themselves, well, one of them did, on the trees on the way down. The other guy fell all the way to the bottom. They're still in the hospital because they just wandered off. And throughout Scripture, we're referred to as sheep that wander off. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, says this, Like sheep, we have all gone our own way. What he's saying is, all of us wander. All of us think that we can give ourselves direction and still be okay. Shepherds have a group of sheep in their flock that they call fence crawlers. And in every flock, there is a group of sheep that will go out to the edge of the fence and just graze there, right at the edge where if I'm wanting to eat a sheep and I'm a wolf, I'm going to go to the edge of the fence and pick off the fence crawlers first. And so the shepherd has to constantly go and take care of the fence crawlers. 
those that think there's something better on the other side of the fence, those that get right up against the fence where the danger is. And if you have more than one child, you know that some children see the boundary and say, I don't want anywhere near that because there's danger on the other side. And some go, what is over there on that other side? I want to get right up to the edge. I'm going to stay in, but I just want to see that over there. One of two ways people approach life. And those of you who are fence dwellers, who are always looking at the next thing, are always thinking, oh, you know what, the, the next relationship's going to be better. And some people, even in their marriage, will be looking over the fence at how to maybe find something better, trying to guide yourself. And you're going to end up with a mile of regret when you say, I'm just going to go to the edge. I'm not going to step over. I'll just go to the edge and see if maybe I might enjoy what's on the other side. So no matter where you are, a student, whether you've got your first job or just got married, stay off the fence. Don't go dwell by the fence. Because if the further you're back from the fence, if you do make a mistake, you're not out in the middle of the wilderness where there's danger. But if you get right up next to the fence, you don't have to mess up much to really mess up a lot. So don't be a fence dweller. But David is saying... Some people, they're going to wander. They're going to try to find their own way. And he's saying, if you let God lead you, he always guides you down the right path. Well, how do you know if you're going down the right path? You listen for God's voice. That's how you know. Now, it's hard to hear God's voice sometimes. So last week was, a, a traumatic event with the dog at our house. This week, we're dropping our youngest off at college. Oh my gosh. You know. Friday, you can give me an awe. Go ahead. And then celebrate with me because life's going to be new again, right? <laughs> but we're dropping our youngest off at college. And sometime this week, and, and she gets dad talks all the time, but she's going to get a dad talk that she's gotten before. But what I'm going to say to her is, Abby, there's going to be a lot of voices competing for your attention. There's going to be a lot of people wanting to speak into your life and any of you getting ready to enter that phase of life. There's going to be a lot of voices speaking loudly to take you off in different directions, some good, some bad. But let God's voice be the loudest voice that you hear. When I first started following Christ, a much older man in Christ came to me and told me the same thing. He said, Donnie, you're going to have temptation. It's going to be tough. I was a college kid at that time myself, and he said, just make sure that you allow God's voice to be loud enough in your life that you hear him over everything else. So you know, when you're faced with this decision to make, you hear his voice and not all the competing voices for who you become. And so now I get to pass that on to my kids. You've probably seen the, the, there's a YouTube video, you could just search for it on YouTube, uh, A Shepherd's Voice or something like that. And it's, uh, there's several of them, but most of them are tour guides in the Middle East that are taking people on some kind of tour and they stop and here's a shepherd and all of his sheep out in this field. And the shepherd tells the people how to call for the sheep. And one by one, the people get up there and they call for the sheep and the sheep don't even pay attention. They just keep on grazing. They don't do anything. They just keep on grazing, keep on grazing. And like 10 people go through and they try to call the sheep and they don't do anything. The shepherd comes up, makes the same sound to our ears, does it, and they all come running like that. 
That's the value of being able to hear God's voice. Being able to distinguish a voice that might sound like it, that might sound good, but it's really not his voice. Jesus used this same imagery in John chapter 10 when he said this. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. And so they go and they follow. So if God is the shepherd and I am the sheep and Jesus said, know my voice and you know which way to go, then the best way to get guidance through life is to find out where Jesus wants me to go and walk in that way. Makes sense, right? Makes perfect sense. Then why don't we do it all the time? Why do we find ourselves wandering off? In the book where I got most of these facts about sheep and shepherd, it's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. The author is Phil Keller, and he says this about sheep. Left to themselves, sheep will follow the same trails until they develop a rut. Then they will not leave that rut ever. They will graze on the same hill until it's turned to waste. They're stubborn yet easily frightened. Even a small rabbit can stampede a herd of sheep. They have no homing mechanism like a dog or a bird, so when they wander off, they are lost until a shepherd comes looking for them. We are a lot like sheep. We can end up wandering off. But if you know the voice of the one who desires to be your shepherd, when you do wander off, all you have to do is listen. It's inevitable that we're going to make mistakes. It's inevitable that we're going to wander off in many different areas of our life. But if we listen for the shepherd's voice, he can bring us back to safety. So if you feel lost, and at many times in life, most people do, if you feel like, I just can't seem to get life in the right direction, maybe you're listening to the wrong voice. God is also a shepherd who provides. He provides for us. In verses 2 and 3 when it says, He lets me rest in green meadows, a better way to translate that would be, He makes me rest in green meadows. Because sheep won't rest. They'll just keep walking till they fall over. They won't stop. As long as they're following the person's tail in front of them, or the sheep's tail in front of them, they won't stop. And so if the lead sheep is in a mood to walk a long way, the rest of them will just follow until they fall over. And there's a time when a shepherd has to come out and say, all right, everybody's going to rest. And even if he has to force them to lay down and rest, he will make them rest. Rest is something that our culture doesn't quite get. Because if I say to you, or if you say to me, how's it going? Oh, man, I'm busy. Give me that gold medal for busyness. I've got it. I've never asked anybody, how's it going? And them say, oh, man, I am so rested. I just take breaks all the time. I'm all caught up on all my Netflix shows. Life is good. I'm just, I'm rested. I'm, I'm just, I'm rested. You want to go do something? Because I've got lots of energy. We would say, that person is lazy. But maybe you need to let God just gently make 
you rest. It's a disease in our culture. So if we want some guidance, then we're going to have to learn that the shepherd says there's times when you need to rest. Not long before Michael Jackson died, there's a recording of him saying, I will pay anything, I will pay any amount of money if somebody can just help me get some sleep. He just wanted to rest. And that's actually what ended up killing him, his desire to just rest. There are 70 million people right now in our country who have to take a pill so they can go to sleep and rest. If we survey this room, half the men in this room, according to survey after survey, 50% of men believe they can get by on less sleep than they currently are getting. Half the people would say they don't get enough sleep. In the early 1900s, the average person slept nine hours a day. Now it's less than seven. So, this natural mechanism that God put in us to allow us to rest for some reason is not being used. You have to get recharged. You have to figure out how. Every night when I go to bed, I have this ritual. I take this out and I plug it in because it needs to be recharged because I use it all day long. It's got to be recharged. And every night, I try to think, I need to be recharged too. If you travel, like if I travel and I leave the, leave the charger to this, I don't care how much it costs in an airport. I'm going to buy another one. If I, if I realize I get to my destination and I didn't bring the charging cable to my computer, I will go buy another one. It does not matter how many I have back at home. I have to get it recharged. If we would just take the same seriousness at recharging ourselves as we do our devices that we carry around, we would get the rest and the renewal that we need. So David is saying, when I need rest, God provides a way to recharge me. And he goes on to say, and let us know that God's a shepherd who protects so he guides us, he provides for us, and he also protects us. He jumps from, it sounds like he's talking to people saying, God does this, God does that, he leads me, he guides me, he gently makes me rest. Then he turns the conversation, beginning in the next verse, verse four, and he talks to God. And he says this, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. When he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, traditional way to say that in older translations would say, even though I walk through what? The valley of death. The valley of death, the darkest valley, it's a real place in the Middle East. It's a valley that is about four and a half miles long. Its side walls can go up to 1,000 feet, and it's only 10 or 12 feet wide in most places. And a shepherd would have to take the sheep through that to get to the land where they could graze. And so David is saying, you're my shepherd, and it's like you're walking me through the valley of death. And you have your rod and your staff, they're protecting me. 
And when he talks about the rod and the staff of the shepherd, he's talking about more like a club instead of a rod. Just think of a, like a baseball bat. And he uses that to beat off any predators. If a wolf jumps out or something jumps out to kill the sheep, he's going beat it, to beat it to death to protect the sheep. If the sheep start to get out of line and, and start to spread out where it's more dangerous, he takes his rod and he'll just gently tap them. Enough till they feel it. Not enough to scare them, but just enough to say, get back in line, get back in line. You're safer here together. Stay in line. You're safer together. And David is saying, God, that's what you do to me. When I'm in my darkest valley, you offer protection. When I'm going through a difficult time in life, even though it might hurt, even though I may not see how I can get through it, you're there gently guiding me through the difficulties that come in everybody's life. So he's acknowledging when there is darkness, there is also protection and guidance. So you may be at a place in life, you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Listen for the voice of the shepherd because he offers you protection and he offers you guidance. And David goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil like a shepherd would a sheep. And the reason a shepherd would put oil on a sheep's head, there were a couple reasons. One was to keep all the insects off. Insects would get so in the face of sheep that they would literally beat their head against a wooden stick or uh, a rock or a tree or something to get relief. So the shepherd would just anoint their head with oil. Not only would it give them relief from all the insects flying around, it would also serve as a healing agent if they got bit by a snake. So God is walking with David through a dark valley. He's providing protection. He's providing guidance. And he's saying, when you need to calm down, I will anoint your head with oil. And I will calm you down. So you don't have to feel like you've got to beat your head against something. I'll calm you down and I will protect you. And I've got this field prepared for you where you can go eat. That's what the shepherd does. He goes ahead of the sheep. He pulls up all the poisonous weeds that exist in that area of the world. He pulls them all out. So when the sheep get there, they don't have to worry about eating the wrong thing. Because they'll just eat. And if it's poisonous or not, they don't know. Just like my dog ate the chocolate. She didn't know. She just knew this is good. And so the shepherd's pulling all those poisonous weeds out to protect the sheep. The same way God says, I will protect you. It doesn't mean you're exempt from problems and pain in life, but it means when you walk through that valley, whatever it is in your life, he offers guidance and protection. He offers a way to calm us down and let us feel protected. See, that is how we can have confidence in this crazy world. In this crazy world where there are dark valleys after dark valleys after dark valleys. But we can take confidence that we don't have to figure all of that out. We don't have to figure out how to get out. We've just got to listen to the voice of the one who has promised to protect us. God is also a shepherd that takes me home. This, this chapter, this psalm, is six verses long. In the last verse, it says this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he's jumping from this life to the next. He stopped talking about sheep 
but he's still understanding that, helping people understand, I'm talking about you and God. Surely, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me all of the days of my life. A better way to translate that, if you looked literally at what it meant, it meant more like goodness and mercy are going to pursue me. They're going to chase me down. They're going to be after me because God is after every person for them to feel the goodness and mercy he offers to everybody. See, when a shepherd would take the sheep out to graze the fields, he would take them on about a year journey so they could get to water, so they could get to grass, and so they could grow, and their coats could grow, and they could come and shear them, and then uh, provide for the family. It would take about a year for them to do that. There was a day when they all got to go home. And that's what he's referring to when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, which literally means I will return home. You know, traveling is fun. It's fun to get to travel to different countries and around the world. But if you've done that, you know there's a time when you're like, I'm done. I want to go home. I want to sleep in my bed. I want my pillow, my car, my house, the place where I live. I want to go home. And in that 365-day journey, the sheep were guaranteed if they let the shepherd lead them, they would get to go back home. So David's not only referring to this life, he's referring to the next life. He's referring to what comes after this life. And many people live like there's nothing but this life. I get that. But you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. Just do the math. And, and, and everybody is going to die. The, the death rate is one per person. And so everybody's going to experience that. So David's trying to give some comfort to say, there's an ultimate home that you're created for. And not only will God give you guidance and direction and protection here, he'll return you to the right place where you're supposed to be. And that might sound like a fairy tale to you. But what other answer would you have for what comes after this? What other way could you describe what comes after this life? Because if it's just the years we're here, we got the bad end of the deal. We're born and our body starts decaying that day and then we die. That's no fun. But what if there's something better, bigger, beyond here? And that's what David is trying to say. Not only can you enjoy all the guidance and protection God offers here, but you get to return to the home that... God created for everybody who would follow him and listen to his voice. Jesus was still using this language in Matthew chapter 9 when he said this, when it says this about him. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You may be at a confused and helpless time in your life. You may be eating the chocolate chips somebody left out in the autumn and getting sick from it. You need direction. God offers that direction through knowing Christ and through aligning our life with Christ's life. The valleys we walk through that are dark, they're not as dark as they have to be. The pain that we go through in life, we don't have to go through it alone. The, the mistakes and the regret that are behind us, we don't have to let that define us because we 
have a shepherd who leads us, who guides us, who protects us, and who will eventually lead us home. So if you need guidance today, I would love to guide you through that decision about what it means to become a follower of Christ. That's why we do what we do. All you need to know is I'm lost and I need guidance. And we'll help you make that decision. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenging psalm that reminds us of what a great shepherd you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.